Welcome to this episode of Speak with Brandy B. Love. Today, our special guest is Chelsea. She's a wellness and ikigai coach. Welcome, Chelsea. Hello. How are you doing today, Brandy? I'm great. How are you? Doing all right. It's been a wild morning, but I'm happy to be right here right now. <laughs> I appreciate that. I wanted to dive right into, um, I mean, we'll be talking about your story a bit, of course, but I wanted to just dive into this whole Ikigai coach part of it. And if you can explain to the audience a bit about what, what that is, why it's your passion and how that sort of came into your life. Yes. So back in 2021, I was laid off from my job and it was a pandemic, and I was trying to personally figure out what my next steps in life were, what my life purpose was. And I thought I knew what I wanted to do, which was the calling at that time was being a yoga teacher and a life coach. I've heard about life coaches. I've listened to podcasts, including Sahara Rose's The Highest Self podcast, and on there, she was talking about Dharma. And I was like, I've never heard of the term Dharma before. So I started diving deeper and deeper into it. I even bought her book. Um, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. But when I was listening to her book and having knowledge of what life coaching was, in my head, as I was listening to her book, I thought to myself, you know what? This book is giving me a whole framework teaching me exactly how to coach. I think I can use this book to help me become a life coach. Fast forward a couple months later, and Sahara releases her new coaching program, Dharma Coaching Institute. And I thought it was so perfect that I would be able to get to find my passion and live out my reason of being and become who I want to be and sign up for Dharma Coaching Institute, DCI, that started exactly on my birthday that year. However, once I made the decision, I thought about the investment the doors were already closed. And oh, so wow. I know I I was I was shocked. I was like, is is it really that popular? So I signed up for the wait list and I knew it would open up maybe later that year, the following year. So I thought to myself, what else can I do in order to move forward into my life purpose? I sat with it, I meditated on it, and what what kept coming to me was that I've been practicing yoga for seven years at that time, and I always knew I wanted to become a yoga teacher ever since I started when I was 18, and I said, if not now, when? So I kind of went into my rabbit hole of finding a yoga teacher training somewhere in the world. And I felt called to Bali. I don't know why I just did. That's awesome. Thank you. However, this story is going to turn. (laughs) (laughs) 
I told my mom my whole dream. I'm like, mom, I've been laid off, but I figured out what my next steps in life are. And she's like, go on. And I said, I was going to become a yoga teacher and a life coach. And I was expecting like, oh, I'm so happy that you're following your passion. Like you'll be great at it. You're leaning into your strengths. No, absolutely not. I got the opposite of that reaction. I got what happened to finding a full-time job? What happened to following your college degree? You were in the tech space. You you can be X, Y, Z. Like, why, why did I pay so much money for your college? And I started like retreating back and back. And I was just like, well, why can't I just try this? And then she asked, why can't you try harder finding a full-time job? Wow. It's such a common story. I mean, it's, I think it's really important to destigmatize this and talk about this. I'm so glad you're sharing this part. Thank you. Yes. So I told her how I was booking a trip to Bali to become a yoga teacher and even more backlash came about. And at that time, the Delta variant was going on in Asia At that time, I didn't think much of it, but my mom goes on and tells other family members to say, stop this girl from doing what she wants to do. Hmm. So every single day, this is June 2021, every single day in the middle of June, I received a phone call from a different family member stopping me from becoming a yoga teacher stopping me from going to Bali and trying to knock some sense into my mind saying, why are you doing this? You're not going to make any money at all. And I know they were coming from a place of safety and security, which is what all of our family members want for us. But at that time, I was taking it as a personal attack. So I just remember locking myself in my room and just crying my eyes out and I knew I couldn't stay. So I knew I had to move out and my partner was moving into the DC area and he was starting a job in the Pentagon and in my head I knew I needed to find a safe space and still pursue yoga teacher training. So I hop onto Google, I look up yoga teacher training in DC, I click on the first one, they're about to start in maybe three weeks, I sent in my application. And then I did a 180 to my family and said, Okay, I'm not going to Bali, but I'm moving. Wow. And I'm still going for what I want to do, even if you tell me no. So I moved out of New Jersey and into the D.C. area. And I pursued yoga teacher training, which I knew was just the first step into what was coming for me. So I completed yoga teacher training. And then in... 
November that same year, Dharma Coaching Institute opened their doors and immediately I jumped on. So I, we, we were going through the modules and it starts off with spirituality. And then um, as I was going through Dharma Coaching Institute, I took a trip to Portland. And while I was there, I visited the famous bookstore, Powell's Bookstore. And when it comes to books, I know I'm drawn into the self-help space and the spirituality of things and also the yoga stuff. When I was in Powell's, I saw this book that I've seen the word before, and it kept coming up twice, or maybe three times in the store. I saw the word ikigai. And I was very overwhelmed with the amount of books in the store and things that I wanted to read. And I told myself at the time, I am going to remember that word, hold it in the back of my mind. And if I see it one more time, outside of Portland, then I'll really dive into it. Now, the symbol for Ikigai is four circles that coincide with one thing in the center. That was what the books were showing. Now, when I get back home outside of Portland, I open up my training for Dharma Coaching Institute, and I saw the Dharma framework with the four circles. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, this Dharma training is really just Ikigai. I remember those four circles. So I read into it. Ikigai is a Japanese concept, meaning a reason for being. And it's the intersection of doing what you love, doing what you're good at, doing what you can be paid for, and what the world needs and in the center in the midst of all of that is your life purpose so when you follow what you love and what you are good at and doing what the world needs being of service and also receiving that energetic exchange of money that is your reason of being that is your ikigai I love that so much. Um, I did a retreat in Portugal earlier this year, which I've mentioned on this podcast many times. So I'm not going to go too far into that. But that was one of the practices that we did in this group was talking about Ikigai and then sharing it with the group. And it was such a powerful experience. Um, I love that. And it feels like um, Ikigai was calling you. The fact that it, it just, when you were talking about Powell's bookstore and then immediately when you came back home, the universe or your higher self or however you want to look at it was like you magnetizing you to this. Do you mind if I step out real quick? I need to grab something that is really integral to the story. Totally cool. <laughs> yes. Hold on. So what made me realize Ikigai was truly calling me is that the recognition of those four rings at the bookstore during our DCI training. And seeing those four rings reminded me of a gift that I received back during 2020. At the time, my dream was to work for the Tokyo Olympics. I was 
working in media at the time and also learning Japanese just so I would have a shot at it. It didn't happen, but before um, the Tokyo Olympics did take place, I received a gift from my partner. And if you can see it, it's four rings. Oh, wow. At the time, again, the dream was the Olympics. So my partner says as he gives it to me, their earrings, the necklace, and ring all matching. He says, I hope you get to do your dream job. And at that time, we knew it was Olympics. And we were looking at the circles. And I'm like, hey, the Olympics has five rings. Why does this only have four? Yeah. We just laughed it off and said, I don't know. We'll figure out what happened to the fifth ring. But little did we know that my dream job is helping people find their reason of being through Dharma, through Ikigai. Oh, my gosh. So I have to say, I am tearing up. I have full full chills hearing you say this. It just feels so in sync. And I think that this is such an important thing, right? Because a lot of people out there Mm -hmm. don't let themselves feel connected to their magic, their destiny, their manifestation, their knowing that they're on the right path, even if they don't know what that looks like in the moment. And this is such a beautiful example of that in the in the sacred bond between you and your partner and and him just being able to supply this, neither of you knowing what it meant, but then now seeing it because it's exactly it's exactly it. And now you have this physical talisman to remember all of that journey. Oh wow. That's really powerful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, Wow, this is just so cool. So you did DCI, which I also did, but I did it in a later um, cohort than you. Um, For me, what happened was I found DCI to be totally helpful, of course, and I learned many things. But for me, I think my biggest takeaway was the community that I got out of that. And all of, um, you know, our amazing collective, the colleagues that we have and the wealth of knowledge that we can all share with one another, even moreover than the content that I learned during the course. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering what your path has been sort of since you've left the course, how how you felt about that and, and even what were your favorite takeaways from DCI as well? I totally agree. My favorite part about DCI was finding like-minded, high-vibe souls. We still connect on a weekly basis. It's a peer-led space where people get to share their offerings, practice speaking their voice, sharing their light. And I am forever grateful that I took the leap into that space because the community is the most powerful aspect of it. After DCI, I didn't quite know my niche. So I set an intention after DCI ended. I said, I'm manifesting my niche. (laughs) And so little did I know that after DCI, I was taking on so much. I was working a nine-to-five job at a nonprofit. I was working three days a week at a yoga studio 45 minutes away via transit. 
And I also had a freelancing job where I would pick up different yoga shifts throughout the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. So essentially three jobs. And I was slowly but surely burning out. And I didn't know what burnout was because I was comparing what I was doing to my life before the pandemic had happened. And before the pandemic had happened, I thought that juggling life was just how it was supposed to be. I was fresh out of college, fresh, just working a nine to five job that felt hectic in New York City. And at that time, too, I was burnt out. But I thought that was normal. <laughs> mm. So in my head, doing all these three jobs, I'm like, this is normal. I felt this way before. But it came to a point when I was talking to my nine to five day job manager and saying, hey, this client has expectations that I know that I can't meet as one person. In my nine to five job, I was a product manager, but also my own quality assurance tester. And also um, there was one more role that I was doing as well, but essentially three hats. My manager encouraged me, if you can't do it, remember to push back like you're only one person. So I'd go to the client and push back and they would push back even harder the people pleaser in me thought that I'm like, well, if I can't push back, then I might as well, like, make them happy. So with all of the work on my plate, and with teaching yoga three to five times a week, I was working on weekends, I was working late into the night, I was working on days that were holidays, just so I can be of service in all areas of my life. And at the time, too, my cousin was getting married and she had a bachelorette party in Miami. And I knew at that point that I was hitting a wall and I couldn't please everyone. And so as hard as it was, I said no to the bachelorette party and I continued working and I'm like, I look back at that and I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I took a sick day to work even more. I thought that was what, what was normal. When did that finally come crashing down where it was very clear to you? It was very clear to me when the little things would just make me cry. I was too, this one's a funny one. I was too tired to go to sleep. Have you ever had that feeling before? I do know what you mean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm laying in bed, I'm fully exhausted, and I'm like, okay, time to sleep. And my body's just like, no. <laughs> and then I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I was trying to force myself to go to sleep, but I couldn't because your body also needs to be in a state of rest, digest, and relax. And exhaustion doesn't mean that your body is going to be in your parasympathetic nervous system. It means that your body is still in fight or flight, even when you're laying your head down to rest. 
So I, I knew my nervous system was all out of whack. And so that's when I'm like, you know what? I need help. So I reached out to a coach that I knew of from a couple years ago, and I signed up to work with her. And she was the one who opened my eyes to say, do you know that you're burnt out? And I'm like, I don't know what burnout is. Can you enlighten me? And she told me about my nervous system being out of all sorts. She told me about boundaries and setting up expectations. Little by little, it wasn't overnight, probably took months to get myself back into feeling okay again. But yeah, with all of the practices that I've learned and tuning back into my own yoga practice, more than just the asana practice, the breathing, the meditation, tuning into the body, I was able to get out of burnout. And so with the intention that I set after DCI, I realized one of the phrases from our course was, make your mess your message. Yes. And that's when I realized I'm here to help people overcome burnout, especially my people pleasers, especially my intuitive, ambitious women out there. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. And I really resonate with this. And I want to really also quite specifically honor you for when you said um it took you a couple of months I don't know if it was just the words or my intuition or your body language but something made me feel like you felt like that was sort of a long time like like a couple of yeah so what I want to impart in you and to you is that it took me like five years to really work through the burnout place that I found myself in seven years ago my goodness. So I feel like you did it really rapidly. And I just, yeah, I want you to kind of breathe that in and know that 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 was really quick. I'm sure it didn't heart, feel that way. My heart goes out to you for feeling that way for much, much longer. May I ask you what helped you during those years of burnout? I mean, I part of my story is, is that I was expressing that I was in burnout. I didn't really have, that wasn't my verbiage, but it is what I was expressing, that I was at my limit, that I needed to put my oxygen mask on, that I, I needed to put myself first. Um, But I was Mm -hmm. in the environment I was in, I was encouraged not to do that. Um, which I think is common, whether it's in a family setting, a partnership, a corporate setting, whatever, like this is definitely common. Um, And I also was struggling with the people pleasing. That was, I kind of want to say I'm a recovering people pleaser. And there's some, some rough around the edges parts of that along the way where now I feel like I can create those healthy boundaries. Um, But as I was working through that, it, it kind of the first few years of kind of moving, moving out of that burnout and out of that people pleasing there was some roughness of, well, I don't want to do anything for anybody. Like there were stages of that because I Mm. didn't, I didn't know how to do the boundary thing. And while I was in the burnout stage, I was told that that was like selfish for me to want it. So I had to do a lot of um, 
unconditioning Mm -hmm. and really look at why I had, why I had actually called in that, called that in and attracted it and found out that that came from my childhood work on inner child healing. So there was just all of these layers that I went through as I was working myself out of that. And it's interesting because I think that um, as much as we do work ourselves out of that and we find techniques to, to get out of the burnout and, and whatnot, um, it can, it can still kind of peek in every once in a while. Like there's this room, there's this reminder. Um, so it's like constantly, it's like a practice like yoga, right? So it's not just like gone. It's about continuing the practices and catching yourself sooner, um, making sure that, you know, for me, for example, I can get really amped up with my like ADHD brain. I can get really amped up on working and just like pressing forward without even realizing how much I'm depleting myself. And so that sent that nervous, the parasympathetic nervous system that you're talking about. And it's like, I actually dealt with this last week where I went to sleep early because I was exhausted. I woke up in the middle of the night and I couldn't sleep until the whole next night, even though I was so exhausted, my body just wouldn't slow down, even though I could like, and it wasn't even like that time where you can like barely keep your eyes open. My eyes weren't even feeling drowsy, but my, but I knew I needed to be sleeping. So I just kept myself Mm. in bed this whole time, but it wouldn't work. So I, so I really understand, but that's, but that's also about for me, what I realized is about creating the space in my life where I can do that. So even if that comes up for me again, it's not like I had to go to a nine to five job. I have an alternative career. Mm-hmm. I can say, all right, today is a day that I am not showing up for the world. Mm-hmm. So thank you for asking that question. And I think we have a similar um, sort of type of niche or avatar is really wanting to people. I think once you go through that burnout, you understand how many other people are in that position. Like you can spot it a mile away and then wanting to show up and really be of service for that. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And what really resonated to me is that burnout is healing from burnout is a practice it's not going to be overnight. Like you can't get into a handstand in one day if you've never practiced it before, if you've never built up the strength up to it before. And if you do, then you're a pro. Good for you. (laughs) Uh, But again, coming back, it's, it's about the practice and it's also not about the perfection of it. We can say like, we have all of the healthiest boundaries in the world, but we're human. Sometimes we slip. Sometimes we go into our phases, into our rabbit holes. I, I too have ADHD and I can get into this flow where I won't stop working until I'm like, wow, it's already midnight. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing that healing is a practice. Absolutely. And something that you just said really struck me too, is that, um, we can have have these healthy boundaries. And what popped into my mind was that even as healthy as our boundaries might be, um, the universe has a way of testing us. I, I personally believe it's because um, the universe is expansive. And so mm-hmm. we're always growing there. There's always the opportunity for growth in our human experience. It's like, even if I'm doing great in one situation, there's going to be some more tests that get me even more dialed into this, whether it's boundaries or this healing. 
And I'm wondering if you've experienced that too, where you feel like, okay, I got this. And then boom, here comes this other test. Really great question. Thank you for asking. So after I realized the burnout was going on at my nonprofit job, I was reached out by a recruiter um, for a new job. And I went through three rounds of interviews just with the mindset of, I don't know where this is going to lead me. Let's just see what happens. What happened was that I got the job and it was a 20% increase in my salary. And I believe it was a test from the universe and universe said, are you sure you want to work another nine to five job or do you want to go fully into entrepreneurship? At the time, I felt like I was at crossroads and I chose the nine to five job ultimately because I personally didn't feel financially stable just yet. And that's totally okay if that's your reasoning of choosing to go that route. Everyone has different needs. And at that time, that was my need. So I was in this job and it was slow for a couple of months. And then when the new year started, 2023, I was put into a project that I was unfamiliar with. It was out of my scope. And it was because I was a product manager and the product manager in charge of the project left and I had to take it on fully. I slowly eased into it until there came a point where I was managing several projects under that project and I was getting very overwhelmed and our developers were working on the other side of the world in India. And I had to be on top of everything early morning too. And I also had um, another coworker who would message me at 9, 10 p.m. And I thought, I had to honor those messages at 9, 10 p.m. Mm. And I caught myself again. I'm like, okay, the burnout is going to happen if this keeps on going. And so I had a conversation with a coworker that helps me realize that work boundaries are important. And even if you get messages at 9 p.m., 10 p.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. from India, you don't have to respond to all of them right then and there. But as long as you, within your next business hours, respond to them, then we're good to go. And having that mindset really changed my outlook in my work environment. I was like, yeah, I can respond to it later. I don't have to be on top of everything all at once. So I started setting even more boundaries, like no more notifications past this hour on on my phone. And that really helps me not get the messages throughout my downtime in the evening and into the next morning until I had to be back. I really feel for you in that I worked um, 
during that time that led to the burnout. Um, and so one of the projects I was working on then was for an import export business mm-hmm. um, that was stationed in the United States, Brazil and China. And so there was all sorts of time zones to deal with. And so mm-hmm. you're having to work with the U.S. clients like that was part of my job was working with the U.S. clients. Then the factories in China, are obviously 12 hours apart. And so if things need to get done, sometimes you have to be up whatever 18 hours a day. And it was it was really intense. So I really uh, yeah, I understand that a lot. And then also it was just thinking about when you were saying about those off hours, two things came up to me one in my in the last podcast that I did, she was a lawyer, corporate lawyer, and it is customary to work 15 hours a day. And so there's also that point of if you want to say, hey, this is too much, you risk losing your job. So there's also those Mm -hmm. types of pressures or cultural pressures, different things of this nature. Second thing is that uh, have you read the Tim Ferriss, I think is his name, but the four hour work week? I have not. It's a great book. And it really speaks to me about this idea of when you're you're off hours. And at one point, I'm definitely not giving the exact numbers, but he set up something like where he would only answer emails one or two days a week. Mm. And although that's a little intense um, and he has all sorts of um, people to help him and whatnot, and he created an infrastructure around this so he can literally only work four hours a week and still make as much money. I've still, I've implemented some of it because I would always put myself under this pressure for my catering business, for example, of I need to be the first one to answer or maybe in the first interaction. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. But just setting the expectations up for other people and saying, you know what, it might take me two days or just a quick email. I'm going to respond to you, but it'll be three days from now was just such a big game changer for me in terms of my stress level around my email management. Mm. And if you don't do this, right, then people are just going to keep, it's different with the the time differences, obviously, you're working with products in different companies, but I find that this is a pattern that can happen, even if you're just dealing in your same time zone, different people have different schedules outside of work. And those, Mm -hmm. those, those lines can blur quite easily. Do you think that um, just back to the beginning of this story, do you feel that the ultimate test was the fact that you got that big raise to do this? Like if it was the same, you might not have, if you didn't get the 20% bump in salary, do you think you still would have chose? No, <laughs> I think I was being driven by the salary for sure. But I look back and I try not to think that anything in life was a mistake. So I was sitting down with a friend telling them about the crossroads that I had last year. And I said, oh, had I had done this, then I could have been further along in my business. And my friend paused and stopped me and said, hey, you can't look at it like that. What are some things that you've learned from taking on that job? And I said, I've learned how to manage people. I've learned how to, so this is something that I'm picking up for when I do hire out a virtual assistant. 
being very detail-oriented in creating tasks and projects and acceptance criteria, meaning does this task, does this project look like this? And it does it have this feature and this? And making sure the communication is there. So I believe that I really picked up that skill, that detail orientation that I wouldn't have had unless if I had taken that role. And I was able to build on savings, which was really important because just last month ago, I was debating on giving in my two weeks after my one year mark, which is just four days from now. And last month ago, I received a calendar invite from HR and the CEO, and it said planning. And I've been laid off virtually before in 2020, and I knew exactly what was happening this time around, just seeing the little to no details, just seeing it was a 15-minute slot with HR and someone else, and I knew it was coming. (laughs) So I thought to myself in that moment, universe is deciding for me. It's time now. Wow. I love that your friend asked you that question because I was going to ask you that question, but (laughs) you've already answered it. So you learn these practical skills, but then Mm -hmm. you also learned more about the boundaries, more about what burnout looks like. And you have more financial stability to Mm -hmm. launch your to launch your coaching career on a bigger scale, which is brilliant. I guess the takeaway from the like mental emotional side of the situation, that's just more, it's a deepening of your understanding for your future clients that are going through burnout and how it is a journey. And it's not just this ultimate destination, but it's going to keep coming up and to be able Mm -hmm. to really help them through it. So that's pretty amazing. Now, well, you said this was a month ago. So what are your kind of what are your next steps with coaching and launching your program? And what can people look forward to? Yes. So what people can look forward to is doing distant Reiki healing with me, one-on-one coaching. And in September, I am planning on launching my beta program that's called Burnout to Best Self, which is an eight-week transformational program where you can find the tools, tips, and resources that can help you heal from burnout. And after that, we can talk about learning how to find your purpose, or shall I say, remember your purpose. Your purpose has always been with you in your heart, and it's an inner knowing. It's all about tapping in and tuning in and simply remembering. Mm, wow, that's so beautiful. I love it. Even <laughs> I'm laughing inside. Well, now outside, because I'm thinking, even though I've done so much healing in this regard, I it's it's kind of resonating with me and drawing. I'm like, do I need to do some more of that work? <laughs> the answer is probably yes. It sounds so brilliant for for people probably at multiple stages of this. So whether or not they realize it or or they're in the journey of healing from burnout, what 
can people expect from the program? Is it going to be live calls or is it recorded content? Yes, How many hours a week? That kind of thing. They will receive recorded content week by week with a theme of what we are working through. And on once a week, we'll have group coaching calls so that we can ask questions, have coaching. And I heard this term and it's called the galvanizing effect. And when you are in a room of people and they are seeking support, someone may ask the same question that you have or similar to your situation. And by them getting coached on the same thing, we lift each other up like a ship rising with the tide. That's so powerful. I really resonate with that. I've, I've witnessed that occur for sure. And seeing that, that different perspective, but some, I, I came up with a term for this concept mm-hmm. um, of this parallel adjacent. So it's a story that resonates with you, but it's a different story, mm-hmm. but you can still gather what you need to, or you can resonate in, you know, it works in multiple ways. Obviously you can learn from it, but can also just be a place where you're able to feel empathetic for somebody or whatnot. I've witnessed recently that so many of like when we really show up in the containers that we're in, mm-hmm. that it's almost magnetized to us to find people that have these similar storylines, these similar imprints and can really help one another through camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Yes. You really nailed it there. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be such a powerful program. So you said you're going to launch it in September. So that's pretty soon here. We're recording at the end of August. Where can people find out more about the program or more about you? Where should they show up to see you? Yes. On Instagram and YouTube, I am at your best self with Chels. And if you tap the link in the bio, you'll be able to find out more about Burnout to Best Self. And yes. That's really great. I love the title. It's so clear. It's and it's inspiring, really, right? Like Burnout, oh, I can have my best self. Like it is inside of me. It's just such an empowering message and program. I'm really excited for you and for all of the participants that will sign up. Thank you so much. And yes, if you follow on either Instagram or YouTube, you'll find posts and videos on mindset, energetic shifts, somatic practices, and inspiration on how to be your best self. (laughs) Mm, I love that um, when I see, when I hop on your IG, there's a lot of inspiration on there, even just when it comes down to your, the beautiful places you go or the poses that you're in. It's a positive message. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for being here today. It's such a pleasure. And thank you so much for having me, Brandy. Such an honor. Oh, wait, one last thing. I remember the name of the book that led me to DCI, Dharma Coaching Institute, and it is Sahara Rose's book that is called Discover Your Dharma. That's awesome. I'm so glad you remembered. That's super (laughs) perfect. (laughs) Okay, well, thanks again. Blessings on your new program. Thank you so much. Lots of love to you too, Brandy. So glad you remembered the book name. 
I'm sorry, I couldn't think of it either. And I was just like racking my brain about it, but it wasn't coming. And I wanted to stay in the flow of our beautiful conversation. So super glad you remembered. And to the audience, thank you so much. Really appreciate you being here and listening to this episode of Speak with Brandy B. Love. Until next time.